Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church and in these days leading up to Christmas. I'm here, as always, with my uh, partner in mission, dear sister on our team here, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you, Mary? Father John, I am great. And um, I just have to tell you, as I was driving here uh, to uh, record this podcast, I was just struck with, um, I don't know, maybe an extra dose of gratitude that you and I get to have conversations once a week with our friends. And just what an extraordinary privilege that is. I just don't want to take that for granted. You and I look forward to this every week. And we're just grateful for, for all of you, our brothers and sisters and friends who listen in. Amen. What a great point. Very early, merry, blessed, grace-filled yeah. Christmas to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So flowing right from that and from uh, our well wishes and prayers for our brothers and sisters who listen, what's our title? Yeah, so our title for today is Something Momentous This Way Comes. How's that Ooh, for a hook? I like that. <laughs> okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we just uh, offer this time to you right now. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be uh, upon us, uh, to bless our conversation right now, the ears and the hearts and the minds of our brothers and sisters who are listening. Lord, just open our minds anew to the unfathomable events that we're about to celebrate. Forgive us for the times we've taken them for granted, that we've gotten distracted with other things, good as they are, that... Um, uh, hinder us in different ways from really just being absolutely, utterly floored by what you've done for us in Jesus. So help us to understand the mystery of his nativity and what difference it makes uh, in an ever deeper way. We ask all this in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. The name of the, the Father, Father and Son, the Son Holy, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All right. So something momentous this way comes. So I just saw there's a, a trailer coming out for... Uh, uh, some remake or version of Macbeth with uh, Denzel Washington. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I have no idea if it's any good, although I got to tell you, I like Denzel Washington. Um, but of course, Macbeth is where we hear that line, um, something wicked this way comes. And, you know, in these days right now, we're actually celebrating the absolute reverse of that. Um, something absolutely momentous this way comes. God is about to invade, or we're about to celebrate the fact that he has invaded this world in a most extraordinary way uh, in the humble disguise of a creature born of a woman that he made so as to rescue us. That's what we're about to celebrate. So the, the times that we're living in right now are just riddled right? With fear and anxiety and despair. We talk about this all the time. And so I think we're looking oftentimes for, well, at least we get a couple of days off at Christmas. We'll be together with family and friends. We'll long for days past when it was simpler, perhaps. But what the Lord's inviting us to do is no, 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 no. Like focus in on what I've done. And what I've done is simply extraordinary. I have rescued you. That's how much you mean to me. You, Father John, as I'm listening to you talk, there's just something about the anointing on those words, these powerful words. I mean, this is explosive 
news and um, a brother, a real good friend of ours, Father Patrick Schultz. Hello, Father Cleveland. Patrick. Yeah, I was, uh, we were both very taken by his Christmas card because he speaks about the incarnation much the way that you just have. And while I won't read the entire card to you, it's stunning. It's beautiful. But there was this anointing on his words. And so I just want to share one of the lines. He, he writes, this night God is born. God is with us. The king has landed, as you just said, Father John, behind enemy lines in the most unimaginable way. And we, with all of creation, cry out, God, you are crazy. Love like, like who yep. does this? Love that line. Love. God, you're crazy. And love does that. That's because right. love does such things, right? Yeah, and, 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 and to Father Patrick's point and to what we're talking about, like, I... We don't, I don't, and I talk about this all the time. I don't have a clue what God has done for us. And so the temptation is to go, oh yeah, it's another Christmas and God is inviting us to really enter into this in a deeper way right now. And so we thought we'd do that uh, by way of the genealogy, right? Yes. Which tremendously yeah. boring text or so it seems right lengthy text with a lot of uh difficult names to pronounce right <laughs> yeah i was going to say it's a uh, it's a lector's nightmare but it's not the lector's task to read the gospel it's the deacon or the priest so it's the it's the ordains nightmare right so so this just came to me the other day as we were um as we entered into these days that we mark in a particular way by the date leading into Christmas. So there are from the 17th of December on towards Christmas we celebrate a particular um liturgical prayers that go along with each of those days. And, and those days start on the 17th of December uh, at Mass with the gospel from Matthew, the genealogy, which we're going to hear again on, of all places, uh, Christmas Eve at the Mass that's usually the children's Mass, you know? So it's just bedlam in a parish. And the gospel is that, you know, name after name after name after name. There's even an option to shorten it so that you don't get all the right. names, right? You can opt out of the long form, but there's so much significance to everything, every word that's in that yeah, passage. Yeah, so we just want to, in, in, in light of the fact that we heard this gospel the other right. day, and if you go to the children's mass, quote unquote, on the, uh, the vigil of Christmas, we're going to hear it again just to highlight a couple of things that maybe they'll be helpful for us and they'll, they'll instill in us a sense of hope. Uh, with regards to what the Lord has done in Jesus and what he's doing now and wants to do in, in your life and mine, right? Amen. So just a couple of things, uh, maybe in a particular way that strike out to me. One is the, the significance of like the three groupings. So there's like from Abraham to David, there's 14 generations. And then from David to the Babylonian exile, there's 14 generations. And then there's another 14 generations um, that are uh, listed up until the birth of Jesus. And, and the gospel ends with, thus the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14, from David to the Babylonian exile, 14, from the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14. And I don't know about you, but every year I read that and I'm, I'm thinking and I'm imagining people are thinking, uh, so what? So exactly. Like, who cares? <laughs> so what's, the what? big, what's the big deal I just about 14? The, I just did the math, but, but, but what does that mean? Okay, right. And Pope Benedict in, uh, in his third volume on the, uh, in the Jesus of Nazareth trilogy, which is actually the earliest in terms of what it deals with, it's all in the nativity. 
he just makes the point. It's often been made, but I don't know that many of us know it. Um, 14 is actually the, the um, summation of the total of the letters of David's name in Hebrew. So ancient languages like uh, Latin and, and Hebrew too, each letter has a numerical equivalent assigned to it. You know, so, um, you know, C in Latin is a hundred, right? Or M is a thousand. So um, David in Hebrew is equal to 14. And so his point, Pope Benedict's point is just, one could say that the genealogy with its three sets of 14 generations is truly a gospel of Christ the King. And all of history looks toward him whose throne is to endure forever. So that's the point of that. Jesus is king. He's the fulfillment of, you know, the quote unquote Davidic kingdom, this kingship, which will have no end. So he's not going to be our king one day. He is king. He rules. He reigns right now in the midst of all the chaos that's going on. Uh, He's the one who is on his throne and he's not distant and afar. He's, he's reigning and he's ruling. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we can be of good cheer right now. Okay. Uh, the other thing that just hits me is always, uh, when I pray with this, is the four women, uh, absent Mary, right? So there's four women who are named in the genealogy. Uh, there's Tamar, uh, Rahab, Boaz, or excuse me, Ruth, and then um, actually Bathsheba is not named. She's just identified as the wife of Uriah. And so like, what's the point of the four women? And not a one of them. Or Jewish. Yeah, not a one of them is Jewish. And that seems to be the point. You know, it's not so much that they were sinners. Um, the rest of the genealogy has to do with that. Um, none of them are Jewish, yeah. you know. And so rescue, liberation, mm-hmm. um, salvation, freedom, these aren't just for some people in the world. God's plan isn't to, you know, take care of a particular segment of society. No, God's desire is that all would be saved, right? That's, that's the point of there, it seems it seems to me, but let's, let's hone in uh, just quickly on two things, especially that I think give us great hope. Um, one is just the identity of Jesus's family to begin with. And then the second is the significance of the fact that the genealogy ends with a woman, which is just absurd mm. in a, uh, in a Jewish worldview. So you ever, you ever done a Bible study on the genealogy of Jesus? No. I know I've uh, I've started it a few times. Not all of these names that are listed are in Scripture. Some of them are just so obscure they're not there. But if you want to do a great Bible study uh, to get a sense as to who Jesus's family is, or rather who he does not hesitate to unite himself to, this is a great Bible study to do. Th- these people are a mess, at least a number of them, right? I mean, even Abraham is a mess, right? He passes his wife off as his sister, um, not once, but twice out of an attempt to protect himself. Um, David commits adultery and murder and is filled with, uh, with you know, a bit of an ego in the sense of uh, conducting a census. Manassas is the- This is wicked, Institutes wicked child man. sacrifice, right. right? I mean, some of these people are just- He burned his own sons. Yeah, this is not right? a good man, right? And so Jesus doesn't and, come to the pure. No. That's the point. He doesn't come to the pure. He doesn't hesitate right. to immerse himself into a really 
ugly family history. I don't know about you, but I find that so hopeful. Right. You look at you look at uh, who Judah was, who Boaz was, who Josiah was, and you read a little bit about their story. It causes you to breathe just a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. Judah, Judah, uh, Judah's somebody who sleeps with his daughter-in-law. Yes. Who he had... Um, Resulting in twins. Yeah, who he had horrifically offended, That's right? right. Yes. And, and so th- this is just such a comforting thing because like whose family isn't messed up? I have pictures in my, uh, in my office at home of, that go back, I think, to the beginning of photography. I mean, these are some old pictures, you know, like contemporary with the Civil War. And some of the people in my family, uh, they were pretty messed up. Um, I mean, like we were all needed of salvation, but there's a couple of folks, I won't identify what they did, but they did some really not good things. And even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of some of my family right now who probably think of me that way, <laughs> like yeah, our brother or our uncle or our great uncle or whatever, like he's a little off, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just so reassuring to know uh, God doesn't have any qualms about sitting down with people like us. So, you know, uh- there is this reality. I mean, it's said that we all come from dysfunctional families and we've all royally messed up in some way. And I think sometimes the challenge is, is that we can kind of get stuck in having really messed up and we take on that shame and we never move mm. from, 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 the dis- from the dysfunction. I think that dysfunction can sadly sometimes until we allow God to come in and heal us, we can get stuck in that. But when you pray with this genealogy, it gives me so much hope. I am not identified by my dysfunction or the shame. Jesus entered through That's all right. of that That's right. to redeem that. And, he, and Hebrews talks about how, you know, talking about Jesus as son and he unites himself to our nature. And he says, you know, uh, we all have one father since we both have one father. Jesus is the eternally begotten son of the father. We've become sons and daughters by adoption. And it goes on to say, he's not ashamed to call them brothers and Mm. sisters. That's us. Like Jesus isn't ashamed to say, yeah, Mary, that's my sister Mm -hmm. or John's my brother. Yeah. I know he's, he, he, he can be a piece of work some days, but that's my brother. And like, I haven't disinherited him. I haven't cut him off from the family tree. We haven't hidden his picture, you know, in the closet. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm talking to the father on his behalf all the time, actually, because he's my brother. And it was for him that I came, right? It was for her that I came. I just find that to be, um, again, especially in kind of a cancel culture like ours right now, where we're trying to run away mm-hmm from anything in our past that might cause us shame or we're on the lookout for things in other people's past. The Lord doesn't cancel us. He cancels our sin. And he takes all of our shame away. Yeah, what a glorious thing, huh? New beginnings. So speaking of new beginnings, let's just end with this, right? So the genealogy ends with Mary, which is just stunning, right? Because the whole genealogy is so-and-so became the father of, became the father of, became the father of. And then you get to Joseph and it says, Joseph was the husband of Mary and of her was born Jesus who is called the Christ. And what strikes me as I keep praying with this is God's recreating project 
Like God could have just totally said, you know what? The heck with you people. I'm going to crumple you all up. I'm starting all over. But he didn't do that. He promised back in Genesis that it would be the seed of the woman, which would destroy the serpent, right? Not I'll start a new creation. No, no, I'm going to recreate what I made. And so Mary uh, is this um, focal point where recreation begins to happen. That's why she's the new Eve. She's always been thought that. And Jesus is the new Adam. And so Mary is this... um, Uh, temple into which the Lord comes to dwell in his world, which he created, and he begins to recreate us. So everything is starting over again with her and her son, who's born not of man, like all the other people in the genealogy, but she's born of God. That's the whole significance of her was born. The initiative wasn't a man's. The initiative was God. So God isn't discarding his creation. He's remaking it. He's restoring it. And he's not just restoring it to like what it was back in Eden. He's elevating it to something more. Yeah. Like only God can do this, right? Like God makes perfection. We screw it up by falling for the deception of the devil. And then God doesn't say, okay, like I'll bring it back to what it was. He makes it even better than what it was originally intended to be or what it was in Eden. And that's what you and I are going to experience and begin to experience even now. Uh, but we will experience fully when we partake of the divine nature in the life that is to come. Oh, like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just mind blowing. I mean, back to your original point, we just don't sit with this long enough to really contemplate what God has done in the incarnation. And, you know, earlier you and I were talking before we started to have this conversation about how God doesn't discard us. And I was thinking about a potter's wheel Mm. and the broken pot that you know that I am and anyone who hangs out with me and my husband and my family, like, like, you know what a broken pot I can be, but God didn't take this shattered pot and just go get some new clay. He scoops us up every time all the broken pieces and puts us back on that potter's wheel and he refashions us again and again and again. And hopefully each time we're back on that potter's wheel, we're becoming hopefully a little bit more beautiful, a little bit more filled with his grace, looking a little bit more like him. So even though we're broken, he's always putting us back together again and I just find tremendous hope in that. That, that, that. that may be a silly analogy for you, but that's what came to my mind as we were talking about no, this earlier. A, I think it's a really powerful analogy. It goes back to Father Patrick's, Patrick's Christmas card, right? Like, God, you're, you're just crazy, crazy. right? Because, again, I think, you know, for many of us, if, if we ponder how we think of God relating to us, it's something like he's somewhat detached. I mean, he's probably got a lot going on. I mean, he rules the universe, just right? Just a little busy. <laughs> but he is just unbelievably interested in me. Engaged. And you yeah. and in every single person on the face of the earth, right? God doesn't see y'all. God sees you. He sees me. And he's concerned when, you know, like the pot that he's created uh, is somehow disfigured. And so with unbelievable gentleness, he just picks us back up puts us on the wheel and goes back to work again. Mm. Like who does that? I would say mm. 
that's obviously defective clay. We're going to start over. Yeah, yeah we're just going <laughs> to make get something new. a new mass new. of clay. <laughs> God doesn't do that. So these are unbelievable days. Just beg God for the grace, Lord, in the midst of all that's going on. I know some people, good grief, we just flew through some terrible weather last week. We had some trips that got canceled. We didn't even get to where we were supposed to go because of the weather. Some of the folks in the Midwest have just been devastated by uh, unbelievably crazy weather, weather. Uh, in these days. So some people's lives are just totally turned upside down right now and everything seems a mess and we're going through great upheaval of all sorts and there's tremendous heartache right now. That's why Christmas matters. This is not a time to get nostalgic and longing for what was in the past. This is a time to just beg God, Lord, help me to know like I've never known before what you did for me. Because as I come to know that more and more, then I know I'm never alone. And I know that even in the upheaval, you're working and you have not abandoned this race. You haven't turned your back on us. In fact, you've joined yourself to us by becoming one of us and done so so as to rescue us. And we're going to talk a little bit about that that on Christmas as we send out a, a special little podcast for Christmas Day. All these things are true. This is the momentous event that really happened, which is drawing ever closer to us in these days. So because of this, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. 